to Afraid Not Podcast with Jill McCormick and Robin Wall. We believe that our stories matter and make us who we are. Every other week, we invite guests to join us and share their stories. Even though our stories have nots, we are not afraid. Our stories are afraid. They are not perfect. We believe the truth of our mess makes us stronger. We hope that God uses these stories to encourage and strengthen your faith as you trust in Him. Our theme verse is Colossians 1, 17, which says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together, even our frayed knots. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Jill McCormick. And I'm Robin Wall. And this is Afraid Not Podcast, episode number 83. We are so happy to welcome Jeremy Kubitschek today onto the show. And we have and both known Jeremy Kubitschek for years and years. By the way, Happy New Year. This That's is our right. first episode of 2022. Happy New Year to all of you. We hope that you have a great beginning to your next year of life. And I think Jeremy is going to be just an absolute perfect way to start off with thinking about how can I see vision and purpose in my life and take what I have experienced and let the Lord use it for good. So this is an amazing conversation. We picked a good one for the start of this year. So you guys are going to love this episode. Jeremy is a content creator. He, um, he runs giant worldwide company and he'll talk a lot about that and what they do and how they activate people. And, um, he's going to tell us a huge story that happened to him. His afraid not. He's also written several books, which we will make sure to put in the show notes to look at. Um, cause you're going to want to know more about it. Absolutely. And we've had the fun way back when time we had with Jeremy, we, I know him from OBU and my husband, Chris, and he were roommates and had some funny stories that happened between them. He's been such a nice guy since I've ever, ever known him since I guess would have been 90, fall of nineties when I would have met Jeremy for the first time. And Jill, how was it? You go way back as well. We met Jeremy and Kelly in the Sunday school class and we were just newly married. So it would have been Heritage yeah, Baptist. Yeah, Heritage Baptist Church. So it would have been mid 90s. Yeah. So we hope you love this conversation today and listen in. You may want to be able to take notes at some point, not while you're driving, please. And in, in the show notes, you'll find helpful hints of books and things that he, um, that Jeremy has produced. So we hope you enjoy this conversation. Hey, Jeremy. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. What's happening, friends? Lengthy friends. We said it's not old friends, it's lengthy friends, right? Lengthy friends sounds much better. <laughs> We've known each other for a long time. So it's good to see yes. you guys. I've known you since my freshman year at OBU. I think you were one of the welcome week workers that was making the transition into college life fun. And um, <laughs> then my now husband was one of your roommates at an apartment or two during some fun years, right? Is that what we're talking about today? Because I have those stories. I mean, if, if we want to, <laughs> you probably, probably wouldn't be helpful. I've heard uh-huh. some of those. That would be awesome. <laughs> and I know you from being young married in a young married Sunday school class in our early 20s. Absolutely. You and Sean, it's amazing how time flies. We must be having fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Thank you, Jeremy, for spending your time with us on this interview today. And our hope is that our listeners 
as they hear you share your story that they can identify with how God's gotten you through whatever you share. And we're excited for this new year, 2022, for our listeners to hear some fresh new uh, hope in the Lord. So that's basically what we're about today. So would you just kind of give us a beginning, give us a little snapshot of who you are, introduce yourself to our listeners today. Yeah. I mean, other than a 50 year old balding middle-aged guy, that one, (laughs) that part, that's part of it, right? No, I am. uh, So I live in Oklahoma city. Uh, I'm married to Kelly. I have three kids. I'm an empty nester, 24, 22, 20 year old. Um, We have, uh, I, I create content and the content that I create is used to empower people to um, liberate people. And I create it mainly in the for-profit space, but companies use it, leaders use it, uh, marriages, uh, individuals. So it's really just multi-use, uh, but it's, you know, I create content like the five voices, the five gears, the hundred X leader. And I have a whole bevy of future content that I'm about to bring to the world. But what I do is I take complex things and make them simple so that people can get healthy and then teach them how to multiply that into people that are in their life. And so I've built a number of companies around that. Um, and then I speak and I write books and, um, so, and I'm an entrepreneur, so I start things and my wife and I built a neighborhood as an example in Oklahoma city called the Prairie post. And, um, we just try to live intentionally and we try to keep people, uh, give people inspiration and tools to do that themselves. So that's a general summary. I, I'm intrigued about the neighborhood. I mean, all of those wonderful things that you just said are exciting and exci- and we want to hear more about it, but how did you all build a neighborhood? What do you mean? So we create, when we were living in London, uh, we were coming back and we, I gave my kids five cities to choose from and uh, Denver, DC, Nashville, Atlanta, or Oklahoma city. And they chose Oklahoma city three, well, two of my kids and Kelly chose Oklahoma city. And it was a pure democratic vote, majority wins type of thing. And um, <laughs> so they decided to come back for, and people are always like, what? Uh, but it was, it was basically, it was family and our farm and friends and on all of that. So when we moved back, I just said, well, for me, I can't move back into suburbia. I just can't do that. And so if we're going to do something, let's do something really unique. And so another uh, old friend of ours, um, former business partner, we basically decided let's join together and develop a neighborhood. So it's been a uh, 50 acre, 20 house intentional community. We have a, we built a meeting house. We have an amphitheater. We built uh, walking trails. We have a common gardens. We have chickens, uh, it's not a commune. The joke is like, Hey, everyone gets a robe. It's not that at all. It's just simply <laughs> a, but it's a, it's a modern farmhouse look and feel. So metal roofs and, um, three bodies of water. It's really, really, really cool. It's in Arcadia right on route 66, about a mile West of pops for those who are oh, interested. Cool. Oh, I'm a fan of pops. Well, that is so exciting. I love it. And tell yeah. us the name of your books. Um, I have the 100 X leader, uh, the five voices, the five gears and making your leadership come alive was the bestseller. Uh, that one, the others have sold really well, but that one was, it just took off. And so that's partly about my um, accident uh, in Mexico and my mafia stories in Russia when I lived in Moscow. So I just have some crazy stories of, you know, a lot of people like those stories. So it took off. 
we'll make sure to have the book titles in our show notes and you can check that out and go to hop over to Amazon and purchase any books that you want to after you hear this interview. (laughs) So, so what took you to London? Um, so, you know, I had, I had bought, um, John Maxwell's assets and I was running all the John Maxwell business. And then we started the catalyst conferences and we built the leader cast, uh, Chick-fil-A leader cast. And so I had, I built these big brands and these big, um, you know, speaking, we had 185,000 people at some of our events. I mean, it was just massive. And we'd have these arenas filled with leaders and all this stuff. And I just woke up one day of going, you know, um, think this is two things. I think I'm producing pride, not humility in that people were like longing to be on stage and like the idea of spotlights being on you. Mm -hmm. And my, the idea is like, if, if there's not the light inside of you, then a spotlight will burn you up. Right. And so so that whole concept, um, really, um, so I just was having issues with that. So philosophically, I decided I'm going to (laughs) sell I'm going to sell all of it. And so I sold all of those businesses over the next three years. And I had lived in Russia and I wanted my kids to experience a different, um, you know, part of the world. So I had a business partner in, in London. And so we decided let's move over. And so we did, and we moved into this, um, uh, old monastery. It was a manor house. It was a 10 bedroom manor house, um, across the street from the Cliveden house, which was this, uh, if you, well, it, it's the largest estate in London. I mean, it's, it's amazing. It's the Astor family, the Waldorf Astoria family. And so we lived across the street from it. So we were all of a sudden in this very posh landscape, you know, it was very Downton Abbey. It was hundred percent. Downton Abbey. hundred percent. Even bigger. That was my very best London, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. So people would, people would go, so Jeremy, just tell me where you're from. And like, Oh, we're from Oklahoma. Oh, what about your family? Like we're farmers. No, 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 really. No, we're farmers. (laughs) You know, they couldn't get it. They couldn't understand. So we lived on the river Thames, uh, just outside of London. And it was unbelievable. Um, quintessential, just beautiful. And we did that for a few years. And then when my kids were like, we want to move back. I'm like, really? Well, like we've got a, we have a really good deal. Are you sure? But they all wanted to go for high school in America and have that experience. And we did, we moved back. And that's why we built the Prairie at Post, this neighborhood. So did any of your kids come back with an accent? Uh, we, we all have little things we say. I say Lou. I say cheers. I'll say bloke, mate, all those things. So uh, more words than accent. (laughs) So, okay. So how did you get into this new company that you have once you came back to the U.S.? Well, yeah, it's really, it wasn't new. It was just a continuation. So I started in 2002. Um, It's just been a journey of how to use business as a platform for impact. So actually my philosophy is like, let the world fund you to influence it. That's what I've been doing the entire time. So I've been building world-class content. When I say world-class, meaning um, it has to it has to be good enough for Google or Lidos or Pfizer or whatever. And they use our content around the world. So we uh, it has to be good enough. So what we did though is we decided let's let's multiply everything we do. So let's disciple and apprentice people. So let's use leadership 
as an apprenticeship process to help people do self-awareness, see what it's like to be on the other side of themselves and become healthier. So um, I had been studying um, how did Jesus change the world? And so I went into this really deep dive for about four years. I read nothing but Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. That's all I read. Because I'm like, if you read Paul without understanding the context of Jesus, you can create anything. Sure. Um, it, you need to understand the context yeah. of how. So I just studied that over and over again. And it all boiled down to Matthew 10 and Mark 6 and Luke 9 and 10. I'm like, it's a actual formula of how Jesus changed the world. And I've never, no one ever talks about it. I'm like, it's right there. It's so obvious. But maybe because I spent so much time in it, I could see it. And it's basically the idea of when he sends out his guys, he says, uh, and I always tell people this too. Um, I know your audience might be a little different, but I speak in lots of different audiences around the world. And I always tell people, hey, whether you think Jesus is a teacher, a prophet, or Messiah, um, that, that's really up to you. But I talk about Jesus on a regular basis uh, because people are afraid of talking about Jesus because it's a religious uh, connotation to a lot of people and, or they're, they feel that someone's going to proselytize or I like to go, let's just talk about Jesus. How did he change the world? The most interesting man on the planet in the world ever. Why are we not talking about how he changed the world? Because you're afraid of religion. So you know what I mean? So I like to take it apart and go, uh, even when the disciples were with him a year and a half in, they said, uh, who do people, Jesus says, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say you're a pro teacher. Some say you're a prophet. Some say that you're a Messiah. And then he goes again, a year and a half. Well, who do you say I am? And Peter goes, oh, you're the Messiah. I'm not sure everybody thought that at the time, meaning they probably thought he was more than a teacher, but probably some were like prophet, Messiah. You know what I mean? Uh, and so I think that's an interesting. So for me, I let people figure that out on their own. That's their responsibility. But I like to talk about how Jesus changed the world. So it comes down to Matthew 10, and it's the idea that um, he says, guys, I'm going to send you out, and I'm going to show you what it's going to be like when I'm gone. So I'm basically going to give you my spirit for the day, and I'm going to empower you. You're going to have power and authority. And if you have that power and authority, then you're almost deputized, right? You could almost say badge and gun. I'm giving you the authority, the badge, and I'm giving you a gun. Well, a lot of people are afraid of the gun, so they don't know how to use power. But they're so they put big badges on, but they don't have power, mm. and that's that's called a mall cop, right? Oh. And so there's yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of mall cops out there. And so what what I've found is how he basically says, "Look, I'm going to deputize you for the day. Don't take anything with you. Go find people of peace." Now, I'm going to bring people to you, but go find the people I'm bringing to you. And when you find them, I want you to freely give what I've freely given to you. And then I want you to tell them about the kingdom. And then I want you to show the kingdom by healing, casting out, and raising up. And if you go, what does a disciple of Jesus do? They, they tell about the kingdom, they heal, they cast out, and they raise up. That is a disciple of Jesus. So if I was a disciple of someone, that means I imitate them. So when Jesus said, follow me, he says, imitate me. So what I've done is I've basically just taken that and created tools and content that heals, that takes things out of people and then calls them up into who they are. 
and helps them activate them so that they're a free, um, liberated, uh, freedom fighter that fights for the highest possible good of other people. So anyone that comes into any of our worlds or my content, they, they get free from things, they get healed from things, and then they step into their identity and it makes them a more effective person. And so I just took Matthew 10 and basically put it into a business model. Wow. That is fascinating. It is. It's, I mean, this is great, great stuff. I'm yeah. so excited to hear about this. And I love it that like we knew Jeremy Wynn. You know. <laughs> uh, and I was a bloke. You're like, yeah, you were real <laughs> annoying. <laughs> oh man. Well, we always ask our guests to share a time in their life that they refer back to as afraid not. A time that was really hard, holding by a thread kind of time. And we would love for you to do that as well and tell our listeners a story that you can look back over your shoulder and see now that God kept you through it. Yeah. Well, once upon a time now it's, it is that right. It is once upon a time. Uh, it was 2002 for me and Kelly and we went to, uh, we were starting giant and I had quit my job and we had, um, we just had our third daughter, Kate. And, um, and then when you quit your job and you start a new one without new clients. So we didn't have, we had one verbal contract, but not, I mean, one verbal agreement, but not a contract. And so we quit and I decided let's go to Mexico and before the startup, you know, like let's have a little rest before we go. So we went to Mexico because it was cheap in September. That's when hurricanes come as well. So, uh, we took another couple of friends of ours with us. And so we got stuck in a hurricane um, and hurricane Isidore category three came and they boarded up our windows and our doors. And we had to like move inland. And so we were kind of put in this flea bag hotel and it was awful. So we're like, we don't want to stay here. The eye of the hurricane, it's still a ways out like four hours from now. Let's go. There's a movie theater right across the street. Let's go watch a movie. And then we'll run back and let the eye go by us. And then we'll be fine. Cause we were in a big you know, um, uh, building, we would be fine, but it was still, it was tenuous. It was heavy rain and all that. So we did, we went to see, uh, signs with Mel Gibson. You guys remember that Yeah. the crop circle movie? If, if any of the listeners, if you haven't listened, watched that by now, you've had like 15, 20 years, you know, you've had plenty <laughs> right. of, you've had plenty of time to see that. <laughs> um, I'm going to run it for you in it. So Mel, yeah. Mel Gibson. Yeah. Spoiler. Uh, Mel Gibson <laughs> loses his wife to, a, um, in the, and he was a vicar and he gave up his faith in God when his, when he lost his wife. And then at the very end, there was a weird scene with aliens and his son and he get, there's a healing and the healing, uh, made him believe in God again. So I, we get out of the movie 45 minutes before, maybe an hour before the eye of the hurricane comes and, and we were going to walk and get soaked, but it wasn't that far. You know, it was, you, it was across the street kind of deal. Well, there was a taxi there. So I go, Hey dude, can you take us right there? And it was like, yeah, he was an entrepreneurial taxi. He was the only one out in her hurricane. So we get in, I get in the front, Kelly's behind me and our friends are next to her. And they're all talking about the rain and the craziness and all this stuff. And I get in and I'm like having this deep conversation with God in inside. And it was like, okay, God, 
if anything happens to Kelly, I don't want to be like Mel Gibson. I'll trust you. And if th- anything happens to Addison or Will or Kate, I'll trust you. I don't want to be like him. Like it was, that was the conversation. And then I was like, Hey, and if anything happens to me, I'll trust you. And literally it was two, three seconds from then Kelly screams, watch out. And we were, we were going across the, there was a, just a stoplight. We had the green light and this drunk driver was joyriding in a hurricane and hits the car pushes me into the side of the, the, you know, the passenger or the, the driver's seat in the console. I didn't have my seatbelt on and my sternum came out about 12 inches. Um, my, I was squashed. I broke nine ribs, uh, severed my intestines, um, bruised every organ. And, um, I was paralyzed in the waist down and I'm in the, the oh. car and I'm like having this really, really weird experience. Um, externally, I'm screaming, death scream. It was the worst pain because you're like, it's like an ice pick on your back, just stabbed over and over again. That's the pain that, was, that you felt. If you've ever broken a rib, it's the worst. Um, so that happened. Um, but then internally, I was like, okay. Well, we just talked about this, didn't we? <laughs> I'm like, that was quick. <laughs> I'm rationally like going, okay, I can see my sternum. I'm broken my back. I can't feel my feet. I'm paralyzed. How is there no blood? There's no blood. And then it's just weird. I'm like, like I'm calm internally and externally. I'm a panic as you would in shock. And I was in the car about 45 minutes before an ambulance shows up and our friends are helping, trying to help. And Kelly's trying to help me and she's hurt too. And so she's kind of leaning over me and, and then it's, it's hard because if anyone's been in an accident like this and the shock, you go internal and you're having dialogue, but I can't talk at all. Couldn't breathe. And so I start having this about 10, 15 minutes in and start going, huh, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. I'm going to die in Mexico. Huh? You know, I was 32 years old or 30 years, uh, whatever, 32 years old. Like I'm going to die in Mexico. That's just crazy. So, um, anyway, I start having this conversation with God that was really, really simple. I, and I, and you guys knew me a little bit, but I had done a lot in my twenties. I had started three dot coms. I had, um, been a part of a private equity, a, I'd started a bunch of companies, done a lot of things, um, just, but no, nowhere was that in my mind, nothing that I had done or was planning to do. The only things I could think of was God, was I your man? Was I a good husband? Was I a good dad? And that was it. That's all I could think of. And so I had this opportunity to see my life flash before my eyes. And he showed me at 11 years old, I had this um, experience with Jesus in the wheat field of our farm at 13. I'm, I met him at 15 at 18, all these moments. And it was like wow. a slideshow. Yeah. I got to see my life and wow. he was answering the question of like, you're my man. And, um, I got to see Kelly, not her picture because my eyes were closed. I was seeing all this take place. And I saw my kids, all three of them at that young age. And it was like at the very end of it, I was at the most unbelievable piece. And so I just kind of like really fast, doesn't it? That whole, Oh yeah. Cause I was in a, where my car hydroplaned once and uh-huh. I, I kind of had one of those like flashes of that, but it was mm-hmm. just so fast. 
but it, this was like a yes. And it also felt like I was there 30 minutes. Like for me, it was like, I was doing like sitting with popcorn with God watching my life. I mean, it was the strangest thing because I was there 45 minutes in this car. So this it was, it was lasting a while. So anyway, it's, but it was like very, very keynote pre- PowerPoint presentation, like, you know, next slide next. <laughs> and then, um, so then I'm at total peace and I look up at Kelly who's over me and I just shook my head. Like, I'm not going to make it, but it was out of total peace. Like I was ready. And so I, I start to breathe my last breath. I'm just shallow, very shallow breath. And she has no idea, no idea what I was going through. And she just looks over me and she goes, I know, I know, but I want you to know you are God's man. You're a great husband and a great dad. And when she said that, and both of us are like, are you kidding me? You just said that I was just, I literally, she had no idea. And I breathe my last breath and, um, so I look up at her, breathe my last breath and I am gone. I float. And so I was gone. We have no idea. We weren't timing it, but I was gone minutes. Um, and like I'm no literally no breathing. I was out <sighs> and I start literally, um, floating above. This is that weird, like this happened. I'm floating above the car and can see the car. Like I could go above it and I could see down. I could see the other car. I could see rain. And I'm like a slow movie climb, you know, up, up above and complete peace. And, um, that's when our friend Carmel Litz, she just came over and she just put her hand on my arm. She's like, in the name of Jesus, uh, bring him. No. And she just got like, no, give him breath or give him breath. And it was like, I just infilling of breath. And I came right back into the car right back into the pain and then the ambulance shows up and then they just pull me out without any. Um, and so what I thought was a broken back was actually broken ribs causing stingers and I couldn't move my feet, couldn't feel my feet. So I actually could feel my toes again. And so anyway, I was, we were there 11 to probably another seven days, something like that. We were in Mexico and I went through surgery. I went through, um, more miracles took place. And, um, I grew up in an environment that didn't really value miracles or didn't understand them. And we saw them, we had like four or five things that happened to us that totally changed our view of how big God is. Um, and then, um, yeah, I mean, well, one of them was just as simple as, um, you know, my blood pressure drops. It was at 120 over 80 drops to 60 over 20 and Carmel goes and prays again in the uh, after four checks, she prays one more time and it goes right back to 120 over 80. That was like, okay, she prayed for that and it happened. But then another was in the surgery. They had given me a sonogram and said, you're, they showed my intestines were severed and I was toxic. And they go in to do a nine hour surgery and told Kelly 50%, I'm not going to make it 70, 80%. He's going to have a bag the rest of his life. Um, and they go in and it's two hours instead of nine and they clean out all the toxicity and all the septic stuff that was in my intestines, but my intestines were together. And then later I had another sonogram where they're together at the same spot. And so they're like, it's a miracle. That's his, he's, he's a miracle man. And they kept saying that. Um, and so, um, you know, that was, that was just a, um, yeah, that was interesting. So it changes your first, and there was a few others that are too long to tell, 
that are probably even more personal. My parents came and they had an encounter and when they experienced something, it changed their life. So, um, together, you know, it's, it's just, um, it's just a really powerful moment and opportunity. So anyway, so that's what happened. So we, we came back and we had, uh, we had to pay, uh, a large amount of money, um, to get, because we were out of network. So everything we had saved for our business got taken. We get home and we were laying on the couch and bill, bill, bill. We didn't know how it was all going to play out. We're going to need to ask to borrow money. We didn't want to. We were just, no one knew how much we had to pay because we were out of network and we laid down and our first client that was verbal sends in a check and, and it's the exact same dollar amount to the T and Kelly and I just start weeping and he says, I hope it's okay, but I need to pay you six months in advance for tax purposes. And that I was the, okay. <laughs> and that was the amount that we started giant with and we wow. started building the business wow. from there. So, and the yeah, Lord was so just was saying, it. yes, this is what I want you to do. And here's your answer. This is so amazing. I am blown away. And it's, so it's, it's faith. And so the gift of faith is a gift to believe. And so, you know, uh, today I was helping one of our partners. So what we do in our business is we have, we uh, serve coaches and consultants. So if you're a part-time coach or full-time if you've done life coach or, or consulting or coaching or whatever, we simply serve them. We just, we equip them and, and they pay a very, very, very small amount. And then they basically, we get use all of our content. And so we have about 800 of these people around the, the world right now. And that's growing monthly. Well, one of these uh, partners, one of these guys today, he was going through some really hard things. And so this experience enabled me to go, Hey, here's what you do when you have a frayed moment and when you have a situation, think of it like a uh, coal, uh, think of it like a train with a old timey furnace engine. And every one of those negativities gets turned into um, fuel that actually fuels you. It doesn't take you away from you. It actually empowers you. So my, my point is like, I don't think I could probably have a harder experience in my life to go. I died. I had the chance to, I went through unbelievable pain. I went through months of reconstruction and, you know, just working and just the pain I went through in 2002 and the months of just, you know, I have a really hard uh, hurt sternum still. I have an old man hip where I got hit. Anytime it turns cold, it hurts. So I still have memories of it but it's like turning that negative into the positive. So I've been working to like eradicate negativity to get the enemy wants to steal, kill and destroy, but Jesus came to heal, cast out and raise up and greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. So I choose to take those negatives and go, all right, bring it. You just gave me fuel. Every negative thing becomes an empowering moment. So when I'm weak, I'm strong basically means that that weakness gets turned into fuel to empower, not disempower me or not overpower me. Well, that's a lifestyle. I've been learning how to do that. I've been learning how to get my mind to accept negatives as positives. 
It doesn't mean that it, yesterday I had a really big negative situation happen out of the blue. So I was my, my natural human uh, reaction was, Oh, why I told them they didn't blah, 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 blah. And then it was like, okay, I got that out. Now I'm going to take that thought captive. So Holy spirit, what are we doing with it? So now I'm like, okay, actually, thank you for this. This was really good. I'm going to turn it to this. And it's not to discount it. It's not to say it didn't happen. It's just that it doesn't control me. It's actually fuel that I can actually take and turn into um, something better. Right. And so that's what, that's what, how I've been trying to live. So I think having the chance to die at 32 and then go, Hey, I got another chance. So that's what I've been doing with my life ever since my wife and I both is like, all right. And so, uh, funny, um, uh, Cancun, we, we basically said, we're not going to go back to Cancun. We had, you know, we don't want to go back there. And about five years ago, we're like, yeah, let's not let us own us anymore. So we've been going back on a regular basis just to go. Yeah. It doesn't even own us, even the location where we died. So, and we leave Friday to go to Cancun, taking my parents. They haven't been back since the accident and we're taking my kids. Now we're not going to go to the site. We're not going to go to the location. We'll stay in a resort and be fine. But it's, it's still the idea that even the location doesn't own us. It actually, it, it fuels us. So that was a long answer to you said, tell the story. It's pretty powerful to see that the building block of what it is, the 20 years later that you see what happened to you, that it has fueled the many, many ways God has used you in this world and the vision that you have had to build up and to be a part of the heal, cast out, raise up, that mm-hmm. is so powerful. And what a great way for us to think about our lives, that we can truly see what we've been through as this is going to make me better in some way. It's so powerful. And so just, I'm just wondering, is there a day that goes by uh, there's probably not a day that goes by that you don't reflect in some way of that, that death experience, or I don't know, what are some things? Um, well, that's the, that's the hard part. And just to be completely honest, I'm human. You forget. Right. Yeah. I, I, I drift. Mm-hmm. So, but part of it is by even telling the story and doing what I do does remind me. And then it, it does go, Hey, remember, this is how you are now. Remember that was your, that was an old way of thinking. Right. And so, um, yes, th- yes. And no, I do forget, mm-hmm. but I also try to, rem- you know, get back into, yeah, this is, oh yeah, I forgot mm-hmm. because we're human. And, uh, so I want to be honest there and go, I wish I was, uh, I wish it wasn't the case, but I, you know, even this conversation reminds me of the level of faith that I'm to live. Absolutely. Do you kind of get that reminder too, when your hip hurts? Oh Yeah. Uh, when every time I put the seatbelt on, it hurts. So I have to slide it down a little bit because of my sternum. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Oh my goodness. And tell us some more of what you're doing this coming up year. What are you going to be looking towards? And, um, maybe our listeners might be interested in participating in some of your events or conferences or things. I don't know. So what I, what I'm doing is I basically activate people. I train people 
how to um, use coaching, consulting, facilitation training to impact people in companies. And so the high impact, and then they have an income attached to it. So if they want to do it full-time or part-time, then we basically train them to do that. So if you want to see it, go to giantworldwide.com. Pretty simple. And it, there's details on what that certification looks like. And then you can just mention my name and then, you know, um, that's an easy way to do it. Um, if you're, if you're interested, so I'm doing that, but I'm also taking my content and I'm putting it in certain, uh, industries. So I do it there, but we also work in a company called culture wins. We work in the sports world. So I work with a lot of coaches, a lot of athletic directors primarily. So I do that. And then my son and I, this is so fun. We're launching this year. Will Kubitschek, we're launching, um, a company called six summers and six summers is basically a father son retreat experience. What? And we take, uh, we, and right now it's father, son, it'll eventually do mother, son, mother, daughter, but right now it's father, son. And it's basically a, uh, taking the same content, but putting it into that dynamic. But in the beginning, Will and I are doing retreats and then we'll have other people, but we have a 20 something for the kids. And then we have an older bloke with the dads and, um, we take six to eight dads on, um, high adventure experiences. And then, um, we teach them like we have a man day, we have entrepreneur day. We have to, we have, they have to decide how they break down a business. Do they want to be a job creator or have a job? We have a uh, self-awareness day where they have to, what's it like to be on the other side of you and how do you learn how to deal with? So we're, we're putting in these life skills that we're trying to teach the dads on how to be more intentional. And then we're, tooling them, giving them tools that they can use with, but it's a, it's a journey from 13 to 18 years old. So if they're already 15, then they start at 15, 16, 17, 18, or if they start at 17, it's the last two years, but it's a six year, um, uh, process. And you go on different types of trips, um, that are all tied to vision, purpose, influence, those types of categories over the course of six years. Hence the name Six Summers. That's brilliant. I love it. It's so awesome. Awesome. The vision and purpose that will be gained through those experiences, I cannot even, there's just, the sky's the limit. That's amazing to think about. Really cool. Tell us a little bit about the five voices, how you came up with that. So my business partner and I, um, we were tired of like, my business partner is a uh, renowned personality guru who's really, really good. And he, um, so we were, we were tired of like Myers-Briggs and DISC and even like Enneagram, which are awesome, but they don't scale. They're too complicated and you can get into trouble. You can label people or I go, Hey, I'm a seven with a wing eight. And if you don't know what I'm talking about and I don't have time to tell you and you didn't go through it, I don't know what that means. That so we part? wanted, are you seven wing uh, eight? well, kind of, that's why I'm, uh, I don't know. <laughs> it's not full. But my point though is if I go, I'm an ENFP or I'm a high I, right. it's all it's cul-de-sac learning. We learned it together in the cul-de-sac, but not everyone can play. And what we do is we we create content. We want everyone to be able to play to an educated 13-year-old. So we took a part uh where Myers-Briggs, Jungian typology, where Myers-Briggs came from. And we created a formula around it that basically says, okay, uh, if I am an ENFP, I'm really, I'm a connector. I'm a connector, creative pioneer. But if I say I'm a connector, a 13 year old can get it. If I'm in a company and you say you're a nurturer, I get it. 
if you say I am a pioneer, I get it, whatever it is, yeah. we, we created something that would simplify and would be a much, much easier process um, than currently. So that's what happened. And now companies are getting it and they're like, oh my goodness, we can train every employee, not just those who were chosen for that one retreat. So when you, when you understand what it's like to be on the other side of you and you know who you're talking to, uh, so we always say like people are like plants or employees are like plants, but even take your kids. Every one of your kids is a plant, but you can't water every plant the same. And so a lot of people, they go, well, this is who I am. I'm a seven wing eight. So therefore, boom, or I'm a high eye or I'm a, so I'm going to give you what my style is. I'm like, no, no, no. The platinum rule is do unto others as they would want done. So the smart thing would be, I've got a ficus. Uh, I have a, you know, just a regular green plant and I have a cactus. Well, my cactus doesn't need much water. Yeah. So only give them, and they don't need that much sunlight or they need more sunlight. This needs less, you know what I mean? Yes. So it's the idea that you, if you're a parent, you're a guardian, uh, you're, you're a green thumb. So you're, you're, uh, you're, uh, you're really basically building your plants and you're giving them the right amount of water and sunlight and positioning them. So Kelly and I, we learned the language. She's a guardian nurturer. I'm a connector, creative pioneer. So we were, she's a guardian. I'm a connector. We were opposites. Then we figured out our kids. Well, my oldest is a creative. Well, the nemesis voice of a creative is Kelly, a guardian. And Kelly realized all of a sudden that their communication and their relationship wasn't where they wanted to go because Kelly was treating her. She was, she was packing, giving her too much, uh, too many questions. Right. And, and then I learned that I was really kind of dominating my son because my son is the opposite of me. So he's a guardian as well. And then our youngest is a nurturer. And so once we learned their personality and their wiring and they got it, it was like everything changed. The way we trained them, the way we communicated with them, the way we talked with them. And then Kelly are on the same page. But the, the truth was it was simple enough for a 13-year-old to get it. And so that's the secret of the five voices. It's, it's different than Enneagram. Enneagram... Uh, is more about the why motive. Uh, you know, five voices really about more of wiring about who you are and then uh, who you've become. So it's your nurture. So we all play people on TV because we were uh, our role or our parents or our, the influences in our life. So the five voices allows you the ability to adjust and, and adapt. And so it gives you a, a really good view of who you are. And then it gives you, it's like, uh, it's like understanding the five voices is like learning five languages. If you learn guardian and speak it to a guardian, they'll be wooed to you. Uh, so there's guardian, nurture, connector, creative, and pioneer. And when no, you I know and understand those, uh, no, um, those I mean, would be like, different. But I mean, like you want to, not like usually we languages love languages we do what we yeah natural yeah, yeah 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 but we need gifts yeah yeah that's right so there, even though there's five it's different that it's right. gifts would be like what what is it that motivates you and how are you those kind of things this is how you're wired five voices are about how you're wired and when you understand the core wiring the fa foundational wiring 
-hmm. but it also shows you how to speak the other languages and you get better at speaking the other languages and you have more influence and impact. Mm -hmm. So that's what the five voices is about. Love it. That's awesome. Yeah, me too. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for giving us your time. I know you're busy and sharing all this with us. It's been a huge pleasure to have you unafraid not today. Absolutely. Well, hey, you guys are friends and, and I'm, I love what you're doing and, and just um, keep going, keep uh, spreading the message of, of just hope. Um, you know, I always, I always say like, if you, if your dissatisfaction is higher than your hope and your vision, you'll be hopeless. Mm-hmm. So you have to have a vision that's higher than dissatisfaction. And so what you guys are doing is you're basically spreading hope. And um, so thanks for that. It's awesome. Thanks. Thank you, Jeremy. Thanks for listening, everyone. We're so glad you were here today, tuning into Afraid Not with Jeremy Kubitschek. And I'm so grateful that I heard this conversation and was a participant in it. I feel like just thinking with fresh thoughts about how Jesus changed the world and how he had such a purpose of healing, of casting out, of raising up. I just feel like that is truly the heart of what when i think about why do i follow jesus why do i love jesus well he's he is my savior he's healed me and he has done those exact things and i want to follow him so anyway that is one of the the takeaways i have from this conversation today i really was thinking about the power of prayer when he talked about his friend carmel praying over him and um, several times in the hospital and just the things that happened right when she was praying for them and also the accepting negatives to positives and letting negatives be your fuel instead of discounting anything and not letting those things own you I thought that was really huge Mm -hmm. so so everybody I hope you have a great day today and we hope that you will rate the show we we hope you'll rate it well Uh, (laughs) and if you would be kind enough to write a review that would be amazing and if you haven't subscribed yet today's a great day to subscribe to afraid not and you'll never miss an episode come right to whatever your podcast catcher is so have a great two weeks in a couple weeks